Hi, my name is Eric. And I'm Shalila, and this is Are You Still Watching? A podcast about movies and their place in our culture. Which is good because we're really talking about the place in our culture today. Finally, we've really yeah. earned that part. We really are. We've basically been doing the, the first part of the sentence for the last 30 episodes, but now we're going to do the culture part. Yeah, that's what the big um, three zero is for. The big three zero. I'm going to throw a big wrench in our plans. Shalila doesn't know I'm doing this, but... He does this every um, week at this point. Every week. This is my goal. I figured just in case, based on my knowledge of other podcasts, we should probably say like, hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to support us, you can find us at Spotify and every other uh, podcast platform there is because you're listening to us right now. So good job. And if you want to support us more directly, uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash AYSW so that we can keep making this podcast. I just feel like it's a thing that I've heard every other podcast do where they say it in the beginning because otherwise people will, you know, they'll, they'll take off. Yeah. They won't hear it. Ah, oh, the business acumen. So, Sounds like a Kellogg degree right there. Bringing it in. There you go. That's what I paid for. That's what that monthly interest uh, <laughs> interest that never goes away. That's what that's accumulating for. So, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, please, if you have people you think would enjoy our podcast, send it their way and support us on Patreon if you want so that we can keep talking about very exciting things like we are today. Something very different. Uh, we are talking about uh, – there's not like a good title for this. Uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about like the – the discussion around, hmm, like cinema? Is that the right way to say it? Maybe that's the best way to put it. Like, what is cinema versus movies versus film? And does it matter? And why is everyone obsessed with what Martin Scorsese says about it? And yeah, I don't really have a better explanation than that. Like, it's just very vague, broad topic. But it's we're doing it today because... For the entirety of the pandemic, it feels like film Twitter, which isn't a real thing, but that's okay, has been talking about this nonstop, which is occasionally famed American director Martin Scorsese will write an article or will do an interview where he posits a very simple, very easy to understand and not really like, I, I don't know how you would disagree with it. Like, it's not like a... They're not even really opinions. They're just more sort of like, yeah, this is the way you could probably conceive of this. Uh, statements, and then it lights the world on fire. Uh, because in one of them, he basically says, the, the, the first statement from earlier in the pandemic was, um, paraphrasing here, but essentially blockbuster uh, uh, franchise movies. And of course, if you say that, you're you're really just saying MCU at this point. Uh, like, let's be clear, that's, that's what people mean. Um, is not really uh, cinema, uh, is the way it was taken, which, by the way, is not what he said. Um, and uh, he basically compared them more to theme park rides. And he said that is why they're enjoyable, is that they are like theme park rides. Um, and they are not comparable to, say, cinema. Big, big quotes around cinema. The second thing happened two days ago. In an article from Harper's Bazaar, which I did not read because like every other person on the internet, I saw that he said something and rather than engaging with it, I engaged with those engaging with it because I'm a good consumer of information. <laughs> uh, also, I don't know what Harper's Bazaar is. It's like a, it's a, it's a, a, a set of words that has existed my entire life 
and I don't know what it is. It's a publication. Is it a magazine? It's a magazine. Is it like a film magazine? Or no, is it like a... no, no, no. It's just, it's just fashion and culture. Got it. I'm not fancy enough for this, it turns out. Or maybe I'm just not that intelligent. <laughs> like I said, I'd, like those words have been in my brain, I think, my entire life. And everyone's like, did you see this in Harper's Bazaar? And I was like, you're damn right. And then I logged back onto neopets.com. Like I didn't, you know, I, at no point was I... <laughs> telling the truth about my engagement. So um, anyway, he, he published a, an article in there. And in this article basically says that streaming services are, again, paraphrasing, but streaming services are on the whole probably damaging our, uh, our consumption of film and cinema culturally because they are not uh, – they are not positioned, nor do they have any intention to basically curate film or to uh, to push it forward as like a form of of education or an art form. And instead, they are driven by algorithmic selection, uh, which is again the latter part of that sentence is at least fact, right? We we as in we know for sure. Netflix has even revealed the fact that they do their their um, what do you call them? Their cards, their title cards. Uh, they switch them up just to see if you click on them differently. And that one is for sure, you can tell if you've ever logged on. And then sometimes if you just scroll down real quick and you scroll back up, you'll see that all the cards have changed and it really messes with your brain, or at least it does mine, uh, because suddenly it's Winston on the new girl card and not Jess. And it just screws me up. Uh, as, and that's how you can tell what I watch all the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it's, it's you know, we know that for sure. Like they track how much you watch it. They track when you break out of an episode or a movie, they track all kinds of stuff. And in order to do all that, uh, or, or rather by doing all that, they then change your suggested for you and they change what's being shown to you and all that junk. So that is what, that's like the two statements that were made. And the outcome of that has been this nonstop year-long discussion amongst people on the internet who are either into movies or make movies, including kind of big social media directors like Edgar Wright and Scott Derrickson, among many others, uh, who have kind of had to come out and like take a position on something that it feels like there was no position on to begin with, but suddenly there was. So I'm going to break it down into like the, 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 to me, what has come out is the three big categories. One, are Marvel movies cinema or a broader version of that, it are like modern blockbuster movies cinema. And I we're going to go into all that, I'm sure. Two, uh, should you watch classical movies? Like, are, are movies made before the year, insert here, because that bar also changes depending on who you're talking to. But whatever, we'll say 20 years ago. Should movies made before 20 years ago, like, do you have to watch them to be considered someone who likes movies? Like, is that a requirement? Is that something you need to do? Um, anything involved, anything in that sphere. And then part three, do you actually, are you actually a movie person, whatever the hell that means, if you don't watch international movies, which is just to say movies not made in Hollywood. And I'm assuming most of the time they're extending that into British film. So those are the big three. Am I, do, do you think I'm missing anything in that? No, I think I captured it. All right, so can you, like, help break it down for folks who are much smarter than we are and don't spend their time scrolling through comment sections about this? Like, what the hell this all actually means? Like, you know, what, what does any of this mean? Yeah. 
let's do that because sometimes when these big things happen, I, I also become convinced that I'm I'm just very stupid. I'm like, this seems to be way more yeah. complicated than it than it is. And then I try to put it into just simple sentences and then it makes sense to me. So let's just try and do that. So if I understand correctly, there was this two-phase thing, right? First, it started with him talking about Marvel and then it became him talking about just extending that kind of opinion to be more broadly about kind of streaming and algorithms. But basically, if I understand like this correctly... the studio system. Right, yes. He, he's yeah. basically... Disti- he started by essentially distinguishing between two different types of movies to him, right? Like, if I understand, he's just kind of saying, like, to me, there are two categories, like, broadly. Um, One is these kind of huge franchise blockbusters, like the MCU, that we get, and that obviously make a ton of money, and everybody talks about them, and they appear just to be hit after hit after hit, and they're big budget, and you know the type. And the second is what he has termed cinema, So I feel like this is the real root of the issue is that like he says this isn't cinema, but what he means is like this is a name I've given to a category of film that is a specific type of film, which is basically what I think the opposite of Marvel movies are. And I personally, as Marty, like those movies and respect them, I guess, more than Marvel movies. I'm not saying that some elements of cinema are not in Marvel movies. It's just that they are two different categories to me. And like... Cinema is one category and some things are cinema and some things are not. And he like went on this whole thing, I remember, where he talked about how long form TV isn't cinema to him. He thought it might have been like things like The Wire, where he was like, it's really good. But to me, that's not cinema. And that so all of this to say it, he's not actually saying that one of them is terrible at first. He's like, you're allowed to like what you like. But one of these things is cinema. The other one is big blockbuster franchise. And I don't like that the second one. And I think the second issue here is that what he's actually getting at is that he's saying my issue with the franchise films, me as Marty, is that they're taking away from the films that I call cinema. They're kind of these repackaged, repetitive reboot movies that are taking away from the budget and the demand for what he calls cinema. And and he kind of finds them like emotionless clinical content and he's like they're kind of blindly written by algorithms or you know they're more algorithmically generated and they kind of treat us as consumers the way that like an fmcg company would say oh what should the next flavor of pringles be because all of america will buy it rather than trying to create a kind of singular artistic vision for for the sake of art And he's like, they gain popularity, they take up space in theaters, and then they don't leave any showtimes for kind of independent films, or again, cinema, which is a term that he has used for a category of movies. And he's like, they'll be still, they'll still be made, but like, they'll be pushed to streaming all the time, they'll kind of not have that theater pull. And he's like, filmmakers who make these movies, who are my friends and people I respect, deserve the opportunity also to have their films enjoyed in that large theater communal atmosphere and it's just not going to happen if things continue this way so i think he's kind of saying on one hand marvel they're this is kind of my take on it i guess my read but he's like their emotional the emotional themes in those movies are kind of second to things like big character intros or action or climactic battles and that's kind of what makes it like you said like a, a ride at a theme park 
And he says, in cinema, however, which again, in quotes every time because it's a category for him, he's like, emotional themes are those climactic moments. Like they are what, what is being explored and they are the ride. So there is a difference to him. And I, I feel like this is pretty straightforward in, in, in fact. Um, and he's like, they give you different thrills. Like you're going for different things. You know, there's there's like the, the revelation, the emotional risk is just not what is placed at the center of those big franchise movies and or things that are kind of generated to succeed on streaming services and are generated for the sake of content compared to other movies, which he respects. I think that's the point he was making. He started out by saying like, my biggest example of this is Marvel. And everybody was like, so you're saying Marvel movies suck and you are so much better. And he's like, no, I'm saying there are two categories. Right. And then he waited two months and then he wrote another article, which I did, by the way, skim read. Neither of us clearly read this deeply, but I, I did skim read. It's like 90% him being like a Federico Fellini fanboy. Like it's just him being like, this guy is yeah, a genius. Of course. But then the last like 10%, he's like, hey, so algorithms write what is, succeeds on streaming services. And right. like, again, fact, he's like, they're not, they're just not my thing. Yeah. They're taking, I feel like the whole point that like the important thing there is he's saying like, I'm not saying like like screw all of you as as fans. It's just that I have a platform as one of the like the goats to ever do this in 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 this industry and I have yes. friends who do not have that platform and do not have that attention and success who also value this art form. So I'm speaking up on behalf of all of us and just saying like we need that kind of platform too. Like something of value will be lost if we kind of let this pattern continue. And, like, we want our art to be respected. But we're not saying, like, screw you, Marvel needs to be deleted. So that's my kind of, like, right. lowdown of what he was trying to say, I guess. No, I think that's exactly right. The The only thing I'll tag on there is I think the, the other important part about the, the second article is this position that um, streaming services, and I think the studio system larger than them, like, it's sort of hand-in-hand, hand, that they are not... They are they are essentially actively perpetrating what you just said because they have no incentive to do otherwise. Like there's no they 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 curate based on algorithm and not based on any other sort of component because that is the best way for them to make money. And the part that I actually like a lot about, if I remember the quote, is he says it turns the viewer into nothing but a consumer. Mm -hmm. So like essentially that's his that's his kind of final thesis. There is like that is what the studio systems and the streaming services in particular are doing is they're turning you as a person who consumes visual media into a consumer as opposed to anything else that you could be. And I think that's that's just another thing to note is like that that sort of industry side too. But I, I like I think what you just said is really important of at no point in any of these does he blame necessarily like the viewer. Like ever. Yeah. He's never like it's not really your fault. Like and I think it's important because he, it, to me, it really comes from a position of you're, you're fighting forces that are much larger than you. Like you're fighting huge, huge, huge systems of entertainment, you know, trillions of dollars worth of corporations that you're basically either, you know, you're you're going along with or you're annoyed at. But I, I don't think at any point is he saying like, you know what, you, the individual, should probably be changing what you're doing. It definitely seems more like a systems argument. Yeah. And, and speaking to the systems thing, I think another reason that he got some flack for the second article is that he obviously made The Irishman in conjunction with Netflix. 
And everyone right. was like, well, if you hate streaming so much, why did you make your big movie with Netflix? And he, I mean, even he admits, like, he was like, I couldn't have made The Irishman without, like, the support of Netflix. Like, only they could give me the budget and the flexibility to make, fully make the vision I wanted. So I don't, he's not, he's not even saying, like, screw you for paying for Netflix or right. you are terrible for liking anything on streaming. It's, he's, he's obviously saying that there are two different, like, kind of mediums that, at this point that film is being delivered on. And it, it, it tends to be split into one or the other. And there's an issue. There's a big issue with one drowning out the other. Right. So that's the big look. So there's a lot there. <laughs> like, let's start there. There's a, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about here. I don't, where, where do you kind of want to start with this? Like, I, I'm almost at a loss for how to deal with it because it's, it's hard to figure out. I guess what I'm getting at is there is what he has put forward, which I think what I'm getting at is between you and I is we're pretty in agreement. It's it's kind of hard not to be in agreement because it's not even him really putting a position. It's just him saying, here's my personal opinion on two things. And then I guess we could agree with that or not. And then the second one is just mostly fact. Like I, it, it's, and he's saying, I don't, I don't think this is good. So that's the part we could disagree on, I guess. But the problem is, like I said at the top, like, it has been transformed into very different discussions. Like those have, they've blown up into these three sort of spheres of discussion that I don't think had anything to do with the original posit. No, not at all. I think here's where I think this came from. And I think maybe we can start here where this took off is let's assume here a bunch of Marvel fans or people who like Marvel movies, which clearly if you've, if you've read anything about our podcast, we also obviously love Marvel movies we're big fans. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people who like Marvel or, or, you know, other things like that were like, oh, Martin Scorsese is telling me that the things I like are bad. I think that's how it was read, right? So is it kind of, I guess my question here is, are people mad because they're like, no, take that back. The movies I love are worthy of respect. Like they are great and wonderful and you are not giving them the due. And I, I love good things. They are good. Or is it more like they saw themselves as more legit, in quotes, cinema fans? And then when he came out saying, like, the movies you love don't make the cut. Like, that's not that doesn't that's not real stuff. Like, you're not a real fan. Were they like, oh, wait, like identity crisis. I like what I like. I like cinema. But you're saying those can't be the same thing. Like, does does any of this make sense? Like, what what do you think is kind of the root of, like, fans taking issue with this? Because I could see being, like, a Marvel fan and being like, those are, like, my big connection to the theater. I enjoy movies. Every few months I make this big trip to watch a blockbuster and I used to call myself a big fan of movies and now you come out and tell me that's not real. That doesn't feel good. So I actually think it's both. I I think it's a wave thing, though. I think the, from my, again, this is, all, everything we're saying is mostly anecdotal. Like, I haven't, thank God, I have not spent that much time looking through these threads uh, for my mental health and time. Um, but to my general understanding, the first wave of response after the, Mar- I'm going to call it the Marvel article, was, I think, the former of what you just said. The, the response is basically like, you're telling me that the movies that I really enjoy are not actually movies. Like, that's kind of what I'll, I'll put is, like, the, the pause around that, mm-hmm. right? Like, your movies are movies, but my movies aren't movies. Uh, and I think, I don't know, maybe I want to start there a little bit. I think there is, uh, I'm not defending that position. That's wild. It's just a misinterpretation of what he said and also is is sort of a, a bad faith argument. 
What I think is worth keeping in mind is that fact that we talked about way back, way, 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 way back, uh, hell, last, I don't know, January, February, I can't remember. But we talked about the fact of that that crazy stat that I remember reading uh, back when MoviePass, RIP, mm. was up and coming and was yet to be the thing it ended up being. And by the way, this is my message to the general public. You all killed MoviePass for me and I'll never forgive you. Yeah. <laughs> I was so happy when I was paying 40 bucks a month. To see unlimited movies, always unlimited, and not what you, not what came later when you're all like, "Oh my god, you can see three movies a month." No, 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 no. no. I mean Every unlimited, single day. Yep, I paid forty bucks a month, and I was happy. You did not pay forty bucks a month. I, you paid less than that for sure. No, I paid forty. It, it depended on the market. It depended on which ah, city. Ah, you were paying for Central yeah, Chicago. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep, I'm paying for Chicago, and and uh, uh, you know, like basically, I just didn't. I didn't eat out. <laughs> that was the option. Like I didn't eat out, and instead, I went to the movies unlimited amounts of time, and it was brilliant. And there was like 17 of us, and it was wonderful. And then all of a sudden, it got big. And then they were like, "Guess what? What if we did it for seven dollars a month?" And the minute they said that, I was like, "We're in trouble. <laughs> like, how how on <laughs> earth broken. is this going to be viable? What are you talking about?" And it wasn't. Anyway. Back around that time, one of the things that they were basically, you know, their, their sort of selling point here as to why they were doing it, like the benefit for theaters is an actual statistic at the time. I don't know. It could be out of date now, but that in America, at least, the average person saw four movies a year in the theater, just four, which is, you know, you and I have talked about this before. Like, it's hard to understand to me. Like, that is a, a, a truly incomprehensibly low number. Um I don't think there's a time in my life when I've seen that few in a year, including being like a small child, you know, on my own in college, high school, any of it. Like, I just don't think that was ever the case. Yeah. Um, but that means the average goer, that is the case. So what I'm getting at here is I, I can understand to a degree where if you do read that article and you come away with it because you did not comprehend it correctly – which may or may not be your fault. <laughs> a little bit of that's your fault. Uh, but you come out of that article and what you get out of that is him basically saying, hey, you know how you either don't have the time, interest, or money to see more than four movies a year? Well, the four that you're seeing, those aren't really movies. Like, I, I can understand the position as to why that might be upsetting. Um, yeah. The problem with that, I think, is I don't think those are the people that were actually upset. I think the people that were upset are the weird fanboys. And I'm, I'm going to specifically use the word fanboy on purpose. Like, I, I very much, the people that came out of it seem to be the weird, like, ride or die, you know, I, I they only seem to exist because there's DC stands kind of people. Right. Like, there's, a, there's all the people that love Zack Snyder and his movies, and they've been nuts about it for so long. And as a result, Marvel kind of got their own group together. And this group is basically like, yay Disney, yay Marvel, yay that. And that group says, Disney's the worst thing to ever occur. DC is life. And that is what it feels like it is now. Uh, or Or you have your third group of people who are basically like, the enjoyment of both of those things is moot you you peasants so like so uh, a24 film bros then that's like the third group right yeah and even i think even for a24 they're like hmm, you're only seeing a24 eh? yeah, like, yeah where's your Tubi subscription why haven't you been a criterion um, subscriber since 20 right 2005? yeah right 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 and 
that to me, that is who is actually upset. So that's where I think even my defense falls apart is I don't remember seeing anybody being like, you know what? Here's a socioeconomic argument. Uh, we, we don't have that ability. Like it just doesn't exist. This is all you can see, right? I think there actually are arguments for, for why that statement that he didn't make <laughs> might be incorrect, but it don't think it was those people. So that gets me to the second wave, which is I think it primarily became what you just said. It primarily became a, I think of myself as a movie person. And I think of that because I probably was an adolescent or younger 20s in the 80s uh, up to today, like starting then to today. And therefore, my film education is from the 80s through today. And that is what makes up my like film education. And because of the increasing studio system, there's a lack of, you know, there's a, there's a, a lack of uh, variance, which is all true. And the response seemed to be like, my movies are movies. How dare you tell me that only your movies are movies? So then it became this weird, like, I am a movie person because I see a bunch of movies. Uh, and what you're telling me is if I don't see movies before the year 1980 or movies not made in the United States, then I'm not a movie person. Uh, which again is not what he said, but I, I, that to me is what the actual sort of, uh, uh, responses ended up being. Yeah. Which are all just incorrect. <laughs> like, I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> so I guess that's why I'm more interested in like, what do you think is the actual, efficacy of those arguments like like uh okay let's start at the let's start at the easiest one we've talked about this a little bit before but i'm interested in in you know divorcing it a little bit because i think we only talked about it in the disney context i am curious to know what do you think about this idea of is a modern studio tentpole movie a blockbuster movie is that cinema Putting big, you know, what I guess maybe we should start there. Like, however you want to define that, whatever that means to you, is that cinema? And I guess for those listening, if you don't watch the MCU, I'm going to actually add some other examples here, some weird examples from people that I know in my life. So, this includes to me, this should include things like the MCU. It should include things like the uh, Mission Impossible movies, Fast and Furious, um, anything starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson in the past 10 years. Uh, <laughs> You know, anything where if you saw a YouTube ad for it, it probably counts all the way down to things that I think are like commercial products. And when I mean commercial, I don't mean to make money. I mean explicitly their commercials. So, for example, this is a shout out to my friend Carrie, who uh, has a, I think, monthly tradition. It may even be at this point of watching uh, 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 the Barbie Nutcracker. No, Barbie. Uh, oh, God. What's the tale of two cities? Ta no, Twin Cities. What's the Prince and the Popper? That I one. I absolutely no idea what you're saying, but I, I you know the story, the print, the Prince and the Popper, that movie, the nah, story, I don't know the what that is. one poor guy and one rich guy. You don't. Okay, whatever. The point <laughs> yeah, is, that's what Prince and Popper means. Yeah, it's Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen. Remember previously when I said I don't know what Harper's Bazaar is, and in two episodes ago you had to explain to me what a this mall in every London episode. was. <laughs> Do you what like how I called whatever that place what is was Herod's? a mall? <laughs> what is Harper's Bazaar? <laughs> you know Herod's the mall. <laughs> anyway, it's not uh, a mall. <laughs> all right, moving on, moving is, on. <laughs> she loves Barbie Princess the Bobber and she watches it all the freaking time. And, you know, my version of this, for example, you and I were talking about this fairly recently, is uh, I've been working my way through the Pokemon anime again. Like, that's a commercial. 
The point for its existence is so that kids will buy more something. Like, that's why it exists. All, all flat out, not to make money on its own. That's its purpose. So, including, like, just kind of a swath of, like, all of those kind of things. Do you think that those... Like, what do you think about this idea of distinction between that and cinema? Yeah. <laughs> I think I can see how that answer is just so darn personal, right? Like, it, it comes down so yeah. much to what I guess I was asking, you've like, been what exposed you to, right? Yeah, what, what yeah. you've been exposed to and what kind of, I don't know, brings you the most joy and then how much time you kind of want to invest into feeling like a movie person or a person who likes movies at all, I guess. I think, I, I do think that if, I'm not saying like you got to be crazy fans like the two of us, like you, you spend several hours of every waking day thinking about these things. But even if you consider yourself a casual movie fan, I think if you put that descriptor anywhere in your identity, then maybe you've sat to think about what movies make you happy and which movies you feel are close to you. Which means you've probably spent at least like five minutes in your life thinking about whether that is like Hugo or like Ant-Man, you know, like and, and why and why if it's both like why and when and, and when is it one and when is it the other. And I think that, that that answer just so differs for people who fall in different ends of this kind of spectrum. Right. And I think I've I've I'm sure that you have as well, but certainly had that kind of debate by myself where I'll go to Letterboxd and I'll look at this list that's like. 1,001 movies to watch before you die and literally yeah. 996 of them were made before 2000 and are in like I'm in a variety of languages and I'll be honest I just don't think I'd enjoy a lot of them as as the person I am and then I sit there and I genuinely think like hey I, I want to consider myself a movie person so I so I gotta I gotta watch a lot of these right like I'm not the kind of person to force myself to sit through a thousand if I'm not gonna like it but like I will force myself to watch a good number because I, I guess, personally have realized that every time I watch like 10 that people consider cinema, I'll find at least one that I really liked. And then I'll, it does help me see other movies differently. And this is not to say like I'll watch Ant-Man and then think it's shitty because I watched Parasite before or something. I, 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 I still love the different movies in different ways but then i'll watch like portrait of a lady on fire which is more mainstream but more cinematic and then i'll think about it in a slightly different lens because if another kind of slightly more underground movie and then it just comes down to personal kind of like enjoyment right it's like oh i can draw all these webs in my head and i enjoy that but i don't think in any form that i connect that to my kind of you know, the validity of my identity as a moviegoer because it's just too much of a struggle to do that. Like if I start going down that hole, I'll never I'll never stop. I'll just I'll just start like spiraling and thinking that I'm I'm a complete fake and like none of us have ever understood the movies the way he does or something. I, I don't know if it, where this is going anywhere, but I, I just think that they're I see them as such different things and I try not to let them kind of influence my opinion on the other i just kind of like to expose myself to as many of each of them as possible because i like yeah. that that's as that's as far as i've come in my kind of personal development in you know kind of where what do i like and what must i watch to be a movie person capital m capital p okay so let me push you on one one more step uh one step further i i would guess I could be wrong, but I would guess, based on both where 
you grew up and what you've told me about the things you watch versus what I have watched, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that you have probably seen far more non-American films than I have. Probably. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah. Okay. Do you think that it is uh, – how much do you agree with the statement then that a per, in order to be like a, a, a movie person, in order to really appreciate movies, you need to get away from American film? Like you need to expand an international film in order to sort of um, have a have a have a film education to sort of be able to say I am a movie person. Yeah, the thing about it is that it what 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 people who say that are saying is kind of true. Like I think that's true, but I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I guess for me, okay. Here's the thing. My answer is yes, but I don't think that that makes you. A, a shitty film person if you don't or you didn't have or you don't get to it or you don't have the time or if you you okay. try and it, it doesn't work for you so yeah in that i think every kind of every more difficult step you take towards watching movies that are kind of harder to get to i think definitely opens your mind i think that's just true that's just the the factual statement in my head. Like, if you start at, like, only Marvel and then you move up to, like, even, like, Mission Impossible, which is a little less popular than Marvel, and then you move right. further up and further up and then you get to Parasite and then you get further up and then you get to something that, like, you know, fewer people have watched but is, like, very good and you keep going and then eventually you get all the way to, like, a Swedish film that, like, 25 people, like, <laughs> like one festival loved and, like, you know... I think the further you do climb up that ladder, I do think genuinely it just makes you appreciate film more. It's true. I, I, I think the, it's like the fact of life that the more you see, the more you kind of understand and the better, you know, just the better kind of connectors you can draw in your head. Now, does that make you a worse film fan? No, <laughs> I don't think that it needs to be a thing that you got to do because I've seen a crap ton of international films. Most of them are Bollywood movies. They're just all in like different Indian languages, mostly Hindi. And and they're just such a different experience. I've attempted to explain them and like kind of introduce one or two of them to friends. And I feel like at this point in my life, most of my friends have seen a few. Um, But there's, it, it is just a whole different world if you grew up embedded in that system the way that I like also feel like I am now embedded in Hollywood. Like knowing that knowing all of the ones that built up to the ones that they are now, and the history, and the weird ones, and the good ones, and the the you know the risky ones, and the the shitty ones, and that whole world, knowing it, it just makes everything richer. It's more interesting. Like I'll watch I'll watch a random Hollywood movie, and I'll draw a little line in my head and be like, it kind of reminds me of that one plot, that one Bollywood movie, and that's just fun for me. Like my day got a little better. But I don't think that I became a better movie fan or more legitimate or something. So I think there's kind of like, like yeah, you should. It does make you more of a film person. But that's not a value judgment. Like, I, I don't know if I can put it any better than that. Mm. So maybe it's about if it's not like a value of better or worse, is it do you think it's more fair to say it just makes you a more maybe robust or more varied, more versatile, maybe? As, as yes, opposed to yes, saying, yes. like, better or worse? Yeah. Good or bad? 
Yeah, I think we you actually made up made a really good point when we kind of had this conversation way back in one of our mailbag episodes about like, do you need to know a lot of movies to write about movies or to, to make yourself a oh, legitimate yeah. film critic or whatever that kind of is to you. And I think, right. like we said, I think then we kind of realized like, yeah, it's good, honestly. Like, yeah, try and reach outside of your comfort zone because you might find something you like, plus it will open your mind. Um, but does that mean that like I want to only read reviews by people who have seen like the the Swedish film that twenty five people saw? No, I want to see. I want to read that person's review because that is a perspective that I can't have right now. But I also want to read the review for my friend whose favorite movie is like Big Hero Six. Like I'm I'm super super interested equally in both of those because if I read both, then I understand even more, right? And it doesn't make either of them like shittier film critics unless they're like just really bad at writing and they shouldn't be doing that. So, right. you know, yeah, I think it does make you more versatile. I think your point is perfect. Okay, interesting. I, I the the reason I was really curious about that, like I said, is obviously I, I think you undeniably have more exposure to that. Um, but what I'm always curious about as someone who doesn't have that exposure is like i don't know like is it actually any different like in other words obviously movies are different country to country and culture to culture but more like the the idea of oh you have to go watch international film in order to really understand film etc seems so daunting and so almost like predictable and I guess what I mean by that is if I'm imagining the reverse, and I'm not saying this is necessarily true, but if I'm imagining the reverse, then to me it would be like taking someone else from a different country and saying, you have to experience other movies. You should try this place, America's movies. Here's the ones you should try. And it's going to be Godfather, Citizen Kane, uh, Maltese Falcon, probably a Hitchcock. Like, you know, like it's, it's going to be kind of the same ones that you always are told about versus I don't know. Like I'm just thinking of some of the weird movies that I've loved in my life of like, I don't think anyone's going to say like, hello, uh, uh, you know, person who's never seen an American film from Delhi. Have you tried Don Bluth's the land before time? <laughs> like I know, you know, like, and, and why would that ever be expected? But also that I guess that's what I'm getting at is it feels like, the, the expectation of going into other cultures' movies, un, and now I'm let me divorce this from Scorsese. I don't think he's saying this at all, and I, I will give evidence for that in a second. But uh, to me, when it's often presented on the internet, at least, and between people and people who are film majors, is it's sort of like a, have you ever seen this? And it's always the same five movies from the same place. You know, like yeah. it, it, when they say French film and they say – uh, a Bollywood film and they say Japanese film and they say Korean film. What they mean is, well, have you seen Battle Royale and have you seen um, Old Boy? Like, can you, is there a fifth one you could name? You know, like, like, yeah. isn't there, there's something about it that to me rings as kind of untrue or sort of fake. Uh, being presented in a fake way like in that case i don't really know if you're doing that i'm not saying it's bad to do it you should still do it because they're cool movies but uh i don't know if that's actually like a truthful genuine exposure to international film or is this just you kind of checking off the travel boxes almost like the travel guide you know 
The thing is, I think if you have any desire to get into that, like I sure do have a desire to get more educated yeah. on, you know, the wide variety of international film, you kind of have no choice but to start with the checklist, right? You, like you got to get somewhere. started. Yeah. Exactly. You got to get started For with sure. Old Boy and like Battle Royale and be like, all right, now I've seen that. And now let me sit and think for a little bit about which ones I liked, which ones I didn't, like maybe why, and then you can take some further steps, right? So I think where the, the what's the animosity is coming from is kind of the kind of extreme gatekeeping, like making it sound like you only mm. have only ever watched, yeah. you know, just a few Hollywood or you have to have watched enough to be able to, in many words, describe the world of Nigerian film. Like that's, you're not going to be able to do that, man, unless you grew yeah. up in Nigeria or you move there or you spend seriously hours of every week, like trying to immerse yourself in Nollywood. It's just not going to happen. And it, it, that's fine if that's your life, but like it doesn't need to be those two extremes, right? I think that's where it's coming from that everyone loves. Well, first off, it comes from the fact that it's really fun on Twitter if you're a big fanboy to be like, but have you seen, you know, this movie? And like, we get it, dude, like good for you, you know? Yeah, that's a right. different issue like be quiet <laughs> let people enjoy things um but yeah to, to actually address not the fanboys i feel like the problem is the artificial spectrum i mean the artificial like black or white thing whereas it's actually a spectrum right i actually i really like what you just said i think is the missing component of what people do and and i'm saying this even as like a personal thing i have a really hard time with this and i think you and i have talked about this before that it's something that has often hindered me in being able to review movies, especially in writing, is you the, the golden sentence I think you just said. You watch these movies and you sit down and you think, okay, what did I enjoy? Which of these did I enjoy and why did I enjoy them? I don't think people do that. Like I know that sounds silly, but like mm. at least I have a very hard time doing that because my first instinct is often to say, was I supposed to enjoy that? Is this one that I'm supposed to like? Let me go find mm. out, you know, what does the internet say? Is this one I'm supposed to like or is this one I'm not supposed to Is it up to me? You know, does this fall into the, the three buckets? It's up to me. I have to like it or I have to not like it. And I think that's a really insidious thing to get over. Yeah. Um, you know, like a, 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 a just a personal example that it will infuriate many of our listeners, I'm sure, maybe even yourself. The vast majority, I'm not saying I've tried a lot at all. But the vast majority of anime that I have tried to watch, I don't like. Yeah, I, and and, and I, it's just a style thing. I there's a there's a melodrama that I'm not particularly interested in. There's a um, an excess often, uh, especially in the depiction of bodies or of violence, which is sort of it's very strange for me to say that because uh, quote realistic depictions of violence, like violent American movies, violent. You know, Korean movies, uh, awesome, <laughs> all day long, great. <laughs> but if you animate it, I suddenly just am out. I'm like, ugh, gross. Like, it just kind of, uh, literally, it, like, grosses me out a little bit when it's like a, whatever, look at this guy's head. It's about to blow up like a melon. Like, I don't want to see that. Um, <laughs> and and it's not for lack of trying. I could probably try harder. But that's kind of that example I'm talking about is, like, I keep being presented with ones where people are like, no, this is going to be the one. You're going to love this one. This one you have to like. This is the good one. And then I watch it and I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't think I like this. But then I feel bad about it. Like I, I feel mm. sort of bad that yeah. it's like, am I not trying hard enough? Am I being too jingoistic in my view of what, you know, taste should be? Am I not opening myself up enough to it? Um, whatever. Insert myriad reasons here. Uh, 
And that's, I think it's a hard thing to get over, at least for me. I, I, I would, you know, I don't know if other people kind of experience this, but I, I, I don't know. I'm not really, I'm not coming out of this saying I'm right or wrong about that at all. I truly don't know. I'm just saying it's an ongoing struggle that I have of kind of mm-hmm. being able to say, I don't know. I didn't like that, but I kind of feel uncomfortable saying I didn't because it's not an American film. And that seems wrong too. Like, I don't think I should be saying that. I should just be able to not like something. But it's like I twist myself into knots of whether or not it's valid. Yeah, I think I figured it out in my head for me at least. That helped a lot. I think that tracks really hard for me because like, okay, so it's this kind of kind of flow chart of actions. This is how it would ideally be for me, okay? Like if it's, if it's anime or a TV show yeah. or a movie or whatever it is, like it's a newish thing. So maybe like a different culture or a different production or style that I'm not familiar with, even if it's just, that's just animation or stop motion or something. Ideally... I watch it, right? And I watch a bunch of different ones that people, maybe people have recommended because that's a good place to start. Otherwise, it's endless yep. and you don't know where. And then I, like like we talked about, sit down and actually think about which ones I liked and which ones I didn't. And then there's a turning point. Either I decide that I love it all, like I really did actually love almost all of that. And that's like, great. I found this new big avenue that I can dive into. Like, oh my God, that was almost all like captivating. Second of second of three paths, I just like that really, really didn't work for me, but I gave it a fair shot. Like I tried and I was able to sit mm. and like think about it. And honestly, none of that worked. It's I don't think it's gonna. And third thing is like I need a little more exposure. I like something stuck, some things didn't. Either I can stop here and that's like kind of my my un, like my kind of, you know, incomplete informed view at the moment, or I'll give it some more shots a little later on. The problem is to get to that like fork in the road and pick one of those paths and to feel good about it, you have to do what is basically impossible in our world of the internet, which is like come up with your own opinions, like like we have been talking yeah. about. And I, I do feel yeah. exactly what you are saying, like, especially because the things that you start with, like if they're like, here is an, an, an essential intro to French cinema, that means you're basically telling me that all of them are great and I have to love them, right? Like it, it's weird for me to not right. love it. And obviously, yeah, you can feel bad about it. But then the thing is that if I'm not able to properly sit in some kind of vacuum and figure out which ones I liked, which ones I didn't, like where I fall on that kind of fork in the road thing, I will never be able to figure out like how I want to go further and what my personal opinions are because the whole damn thing is mired in like how close are my personal thoughts to the top letterbox reviews and why does film Twitter yep. love this one and I don't? Yep, and why yep. does like all my friends tell me I'm a nerd for not loving? Or, you know, it's impossible to divorce your feelings from the culture, in quotes, which means you never get to that fork in the road to figure out where you stand on the thing. And and that's just the whole problem. And then it's kind of easier to become a person who just doesn't. Or it's easier to become a person who just hates the world and is like, screw all of you. Like, I have to turn off the internet or I'm never going to be able to watch a movie again. And I think that's what creates that kind of insane demarcation where you either become like a big criterion fanboy or you're like, actually, screw your subtitled movies. Um, I am. I would love to know how the Falcon becomes Captain America. Right. I, I was just about to ask you that, actually. I think that's a that's a great segue into this, is that that kind of final bucket that had been presented, which is this idea of international movies. So I would say, you would say, like, unequivocally, it's a silly position to say, if it has subtitles, I'm not going to watch it, right? Like, that seems yeah. ridiculous. Uh, I, I love that, you know, there's that really big Bong Joon-ho quote going around of, like, oh, in Korea, we love watching things with subtitles. Like, perhaps 
America can share in this someday. You know, like that, whatever that is, like the really polite way of the saying one inch tall barrier. Over. Yeah. 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 I really like that. So here's the, 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 what I kind of want to segue into is what happens with this. Uh, again, I think this was a false, not false, uh, uh, bad faith argument that was presented. But what do you think about this next sort of component, which is what happens when you're telling people, let's say we're not even telling, let's say we, we go off of the framework you and I just said, and we say, you know what, I would recommend that you watch these movies because they're good, you might enjoy them, etc. What happens when those recommendations are things that are either taking place in a time period when or depict bad things? So... This is coming out of this argument of basically the, the, the Harper's Bazaar article spun out in this idea of like classical movies versus not. Mm. And this can include international or not. And this idea being – there was all kinds of people that – really wild. Like I just had never seen it before, uh, which sounds silly, I guess. I never thought about it. And I would love to actually have us both kind of uh, popcorn out our, our kind of growing up experience with movies. But, but the reason I hadn't thought about it is because I was exposed earlier on. But some of the sentiments I was seeing were this. I don't watch old movies because old movies are racist. And why would I do that? Oh. And right. I, th- hmm. there's something about that that I think is worth talking about because to me it's the next step of complication with what we just talked about of like, mm. yeah, you probably should and you probably should get away from from American film if you're interested in movies only because there's just more out there. And if you don't like it, that's okay. Make up your own opinions. Spend some time with it. But now let's add a complication. What happens when those movies, not not just American, but we can stick to American for ease if you want, what happens when they're like problematic, right? And and I think the easiest example in the world for a lot of people is I haven't seen 99% of Woody Allen's library, mostly because I didn't know who the dude was until the internet started talking, like until it just showed up in my brain one day. Like I just, I knew that Midnight in Paris was made by a guy named Woody Allen and that's it. And then later on, in sort of in film life, I was like, hmm, seems like a pretty famous director. I keep saying that. Oh, my God. You know, like it was like a <laughs> – yeah. uh, maybe I should investigate. Oh, no. Um, very famous director. Lots of old movies. I still haven't seen a lot of them. And, but I'm not going to sit here and be sanctimonious and say it's because I have some moral reason not to. I do think there's a perfectly reasonable uh, argument to say that you shouldn't for moral reasons. The reason I haven't done it is because I don't know where to find them and I haven't been thinking about it. <laughs> like that's the truth, right? It's not like a <laughs> yeah. it's not like I, I haven't been doing it because I'm taking a moral stand. It's because you know what? I just really feel like I want to watch New Girl tonight. <laughs> like I'm not I'm I'm just not actively searching them out. So but th- this is what I want to posit to you is like what what about this? Like is it okay? Uh, my so my my own personal po- my my personal position here is not position, but what I, my, my personal example of this is I grew up with and deeply love Westerns. They're, they're beautiful movies. Uh, you know, they're very personal to me only because of just sort of growing up with them and the way my father and my grandfather showed them to me. And I think there's a lot of beauty in them all the way back to like John Ford, all the way forward to modern ones like The Assassination of Jesse James and, and uh, even like True Grit, 310 to Yuma. Love those movies. The old ones... They've got some stuff. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> I, I uh, there's nothing funnier to me as a as a Mexican American than every single Native American in those movies 
is played by Mexicans and all the Mexicans are played by Polish actors. And I just can never figure out why they decided <laughs> like, to shift what? everyone one to the left. Yeah, like, like you know, uh, uh, really famous movies, right? Like Good, Bad, and the Ugly, Magnificent Seven, some of the most famous Westerns. The Mexicans in those movies are primarily played by Polish actors. And a lot of the native actors or native characters are played by Mexicans. And I can't figure out, again, like, why did they just shift everyone over? Why not just shift everyone back? <laughs> you <laughs> had all of them if you're there. If you everyone one to the left, then why not just do it? Right. And, you know, there, there's obviously reasonable arguments there, right? Like these movies for years, years and years, decades worth of American culture depicted largely the joyous eradication of indigenous Americans as the villains, as, as you know, minor villains or grand villains, right? Like either they're, they're uh, not very intelligent and they're sneaky and they can't be trusted all the way up to... You know, we have to stand against them as a people because they'll invade, that kind of thing. Mm. And, you know, second to that was Mexicans, never the good guys in those movies. I love Good, Mad, the Ugly, but uh, there's a good reason why uh, uh, the the ugly is who he is. Like, it's, it's, it's not great, you know. Uh, and that's not at all going into account of, like, who it's erasing, right? There's no women who aren't in particular roles, like in, in very specific types of roles, mm -hmm. with a few exceptions. I know people are going to yell at me and say exceptions. Uh, basic, complete erasure of, of uh, black actors, of uh, Asian uh, actors and characters who aren't part of a railroad, of, of queer actors and characters, like, you know, just, just not present. But I love them. And I, I don't know if I... I would have a very hard time telling someone who's like, man, I'd really like to watch some classic American cinema. How can I get more involved to not say you should really watch John Ford stagecoach. You should really go watch the good, bad, and the ugly. Like these are I, just, a phenomenal movies. The treasures, the air madres on those beautiful movies I've ever seen. Like, I, I don't know how I don't recommend that. And that's what I'm curious to kind of hear from you is like, what, how do we deal with this next step? Are they worth watching if they're bad? I don't know. Yeah. My answer to that is that, nostalgia is one hell of a drug like I'm the same yeah. way with I mean it's not westerns for me obviously I didn't grow up watching English movies so that I mean like movies in the language English so I don't I don't know anything about that but I um I love a lot of problematic stuff because I, I watch it all my life and it's one of some of my favorite genres that kind of stuff in the same way like right. obviously I acknowledge the issues but here's my thing I think for me it, I, I don't know what the philosophical societal answer is, but in my personal approach to people saying things and me making value judgments in my head, it's like if if it comes to you as kind of a mostly nostalgic thing that you are able to look at in somewhat of a nuanced light now, cool. If 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 you just want to check it off the list because you're you're like, damn, finally some good movies, you're probably a racist. <laughs> like that's you're probably not a good person. Like. If like you're there's some kind of meter in your body that only like gets filled and like rises up to the top when you watch a movie that has some like real crappy I don't know approaches to, to some certain people and and I and it's just not so you mean doing if it's it. only yeah that's if only it's only that well not well, I mean I'm not saying like that they they those people like hate every like again there's not like racists and non-racists right like or like I don't know people homophobic people and non-homophobes but like. I think I, I think in my personal life I can tell the difference if like I don't know the, the people I run into at certain 
parts of the UK who are just dying to, you know, talk about the empire. And I'm like, I see what you're getting at. Like, I see what your life kind of lens is and like what, what makes saying. you happy and why. And I sure. think that's super different from the people in my life who have some problematic stuff that they really love because they watched it there all their lives. You know, I, I think, I mean, there's a distinction. So what do you think about the educational side then? Like, mm. you know, I, I don't know what you've seen, but I, I'm assuming you, like me, have not seen most of Woody Allen's catalog. No. Would I be right in assuming that? Yeah, correct. Uh, should 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 you and I go watch those movies? I mean, we're talking about some of the most famous American movies ever made. Yeah. Like, they're, they're incredibly famous. They're seminal films to the, to the concept of what makes up the American lexicon of film. Should we watch those movies? Yeah, I feel I like, feel the same way that you do. And that, like, I haven't avoided them uh, out of deep principle. I've also just avoided them because I'm I'm lazy. You know, like, I, I have avoided yeah, them right. at the same kind of time that I was avoiding a perfectly fine historical film or something. Um, and I, you know, I've avoided them same. I was avoiding Woody Allen films at the same breath that I was avoiding Terminator for a long time, which is like right. I think tells you everything. It's just I wasn't like it just ha- didn't happen, yeah. you know. And yeah. I was I was playing a game at the time or something. So right, yeah. Should we should we watch them? Um, I think considering that we're coming at this quite calculated, like uh, you know, we're like we're able to decide what the next movie we watch tonight is going to be or tomorrow night. Probably got not, it. you know, because we have the we privilege have the, to choose. Exactly, because we got the privilege uh, to choose. But again, like probably not in that. I think it's one of those things where, say, you're at a gathering with a bunch of friends, and one of them is like, and, and I'm assuming friends that you have chosen because they are at least somewhat respectable people like you, and you didn't stumble into like a, you know, deep south party or something like a, a bad theme. You're at you're at a you know, right. and somebody's like. I know this is problematic, but I've always wanted to just know what this specific movie is like because, you know, I don't know. I wanted to know. Or there's a scene that my mom always talks about or something. And you deci- you all decide to watch it. That's great. You should probably don't have to, like, tell your friends that this is the most insulted thing on earth and we got to turn it off. I feel like because we are the kind of people who are able to think about it in a nuanced light, it's probably fine. That said, probably shouldn't like decide to watch it tomorrow night as our big like dinner movie, though. I think that's where I fall. Does it does that get anywhere close to where you think you fall? Because I honestly don't know if I have an answer. I don't know. I really don't. I I struggle with it a lot because I think you know, like you just said, the nostalgia one is sort of separate to me. Nostalgia I can set aside and and acknowledge. Like, yeah, I like stuff from my childhood that may not be the best, and it may not have aged well and frankly it probably wasn't great then and there's plenty of people who knew it wasn't great then but i have reasons why i enjoy them and it doesn't mean i have to enjoy every part of them etc right i think that's all that's fair and i it would be i think there's a difference between if it was something that was an actively harmful thing and if i was reveling in that act of harm right like i'm yeah i'm not watching them because of their terrible depiction toward indigenous individuals that's not the reason why i enjoy them Uh, That's an unfortunate byproduct of this thing I enjoy. What I don't know what to do with is things that I need to go watch now. And when I say need, in the same way you have sort of talked about before, of like this idea of movies that you're supposed to watch if you're a movie person and and like you got to go check off the thousand and one movies. I don't don't know what to do with that because I – I think there is legitimate reason. There's absolutely legitimate reason not to. And I think it gets more legitimate 
the more alive the people who made it are, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't know this for sure, but I presume that if I were to go watch a Woody Allen movie right now or a Roman Polanski movie right now or insert person here, I'm a, I would assume anyway that that person gets money from me. Not a lot. Like, I've seen the pictures of residual checks. They're minuscule, but I would imagine it contributes to something. Does that matter? I don't know. I, like, I don't know whether or not, like, hmm, he'll get 26 cents because I am one of a thousand people who watched his movie in January of 2020. I, I don't know. I, I don't, like, is that a moral reason to or not to? I'm not really sure. Divorcing even from just, like, the monetary and the recency aspect you know, in just sort of like the, the the pure doing it for its own sake view, I honestly don't know where I land on it. Because again, I don't think it's it's the kind of thing where I would ever say you have to. But there are some of those movies that I feel like I need to watch eventually because these are movies that have influenced so many movies that I have seen. And they they're they're foundational to the way that like American movies are made now, right? Like the way they're written, etc. Like I can't, I don't even know the name of his movies. That's how you know ridiculous this is. But there's one that I know of for sure that at least to my general cultural understanding is one of those movies like once you watch it, you're like, ah, that's why a bunch of movies in New York are the way they are. Like that's why When Harry Met Sally is the way it is, is because of this Woody Allen movie, that kind of thing. And part of me says as like a, a as an aspect of education – I would kind of like to go know what that is. So I don't know. I don't know where to land on it. I really don't. It feels like a very hard thing to do. I don't think it's as easy as the internet makes it out to be, which again, what it basically came down to was I don't watch old movies because they're racist or you should only watch old movies because they're the only thing that's good. Yeah. And I think though, the only place I can really land with it is I would never, I don't think I would ever tell someone they have to watch those movies even as an aspect of being you know someone were to say i really want to become more educated in film i want to be able to sort of say you know i have a i have a position to take or whatever like i want to be able to analyze and understand movies in a robust way i don't think i would ever say well then you must go see these movies and if you don't then you're incorrect i guess is like the way i would say it and i'm even going back to things that i really enjoy really enjoy like i'm going to be kind of self-critical here for a second to you know uh surprise i'm an american man what a shock i like the movie star wars and the godfather uh star wars has got some stuff (laughs) it's probably time that people acknowledged (laughs) it more um the first bad people we meet are called the sand people and they're primarily dressed and garbed like bedouin arabs and they undulate and they have no, at least in the film, no, like, understandable language. And they're basically just faceless monsters. Uh, the first people you meet who are not human beings, essentially, are called Jawas, who are small, devious scavengers who are mostly known for backstabbing you. Uh. If you chain, If you change one vowel there... You have discovered what they are. <laughs> like, I, I... Oh, boy. That's not good. That's that's bad. That's a bad thing. And that's going to take us to the prequels of like, why do all the bad guys have Japanese accents? And how come Jar Jar Binks is a Rastafarian depiction? Like, what is going on here, right? Like, um, The Godfather has 
one of the hardest to watch domestic abuse scenes I've ever seen. It's not bloody or anything like that. It is just, it is visceral. It is violent. It is, it, it is, it is disgusting. Like in the, in the way that as you watch it, you are just shocked and, and, and full of like, you know, sadness and hatred for the character doing it. And intentionally so like, it's not like a movie where it's like, Hey, you should like this guy. Like you're deeply supposed to not be on his side. And boy, howdy, do they address that in the next scene? Uh, but again, that's one of those things of like, I would probably be careful about it in the, in the way of like, I, if I'm, if I have a friend, uh, especially a friend who identifies as a woman who says, I really want to get in with all the movies. I want to know more movies. What should I watch? I would probably say, well, the Godfather's cited as one of the most seminal American films of all time. I would recommend this as just a piece of media. You should be aware that there's this in it, you know, like I just kind of give like a, I want, you know, it's up to you to decide that, I guess. Um, so I, I guess, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, what I'm getting at is I just don't know if I would ever, I'm not going to force it on somebody. Like, I'm not going to say, if you don't watch this, you're not actually, you don't understand movies. Like you'll never fully understand it if you don't watch this. Cause there's good reasons not to. Yeah. It probably comes down to just making your own heuristics, right? Like whatever that is that, I don't know, contributes to you trying your best to be a better person. If that's like, I'll no, limit I, it I to like one, that. to one per, per, one per, you know, not, not still alive, problematic filmmaker or something. Cause I personally want yeah. to get a sense of the style, but I don't care to support the entire body of work. Cool. I mean, hopefully that's not the only thing you're doing to, you know, care and understand representation in film and representation in media and then the actual society in which that is an issue. But like, it's, you know, doing something and like you said, I think the way you present it to other people being nuanced is probably the best you can do. I also don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's a big part of me that wants to just say that honestly, the best thing to do is steer clear completely because that makes you the best person right. in this scenario, right? Like you are the like right. the golden golden answer is no bad films, but then like wh- how 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 do you just you know how are you going to watch anything? Yeah, what, what yeah. do you watch? And I, I mean, uh, that said, like the reason this is hard to come up with an answer is because the movies that we would put on kind of a like a, a red list now, there'll be m- many more on a new red list in like twenty years, right? Like the perspectives will be of different, course. which is the whole point. That's like that's the whole point of like yeah. evolution of society. So you have to come up with heuristics for the present moment in time, like the best you can do. No, I think I think that is exactly correct. I think the idea of of developing a heuristic, you know, kind of developing your own, going back to something you'd previously said, like developing your own internal kind of paradigm of like what do I enjoy? What don't I enjoy? What am I looking for? What am I not? Seeing how that expands and molds and changes depending on the era or the country of which you are watching that movie or even in American film, to be honest, the culture of whose movie you're watching, of whose movie you're watching, uh, you know, like I, I, I'm completely forthright. Like I have not seen virtually any of what I understand to be the seminal like black culture films. Like I, I 
my entire life, I'm aware that there's a movie called Friday. And I know it exists. And it's referenced a lot. It seems like something I probably should get around to eventually. But, you know, like, that's kind of what I'm getting at is even within your own country, it seems like what we're getting at to me is like you should you should take that paradigm and and expand it and test it and see what you actually like and enjoy. What I'm getting at with this is I think part of Marty, because we're friends, me and Marty, part of Marty's argument was <laughs> studios and streaming services don't let you do that now. And I think that's what's kind of important that was a here. Beautiful way to is, bring it back full circle, by the way. Thank you. Gorgeous. I, I, I really, I do think it's important though. Like you, you brought up something that I had completely forgotten about, which is there's a limited resource that I often forget about because I have, and I want to bring this back into the discussion in a bit, but I have the the immense privilege of living in a huge city that has a very uh, big population and for whatever reason, I'm very glad for it, the companies they're in that supply movies and theaters have put an emphasis on supplying a wide range. So I have the immense privilege of having a theater not too far away from me. In fact, two of them not too far away from me that regularly show international cinema, including the AMC 21, shout out to you, Giant Corporation, uh, who, if I remember correctly, like prides themselves on being uh, the sole supplier of Hindi and Chinese film in like the greater Midwestern area, or at least Chicago area, Illinois area. Yeah. You know, like they, they have like a, they always have like one theater that has the, the big Bollywood movie running, and they've got the one theater that's running the big Chinese movie, always. They usually have a Korean one too. Like that is a privilege, period. Like that, I, and I, I, I know that because I've lived in the exact opposite place, which is Casper, Wyoming. <laughs> like there's yeah. no even then even then i'll say this wild throwback year the year was 2011 or 2012 uh i don't know why i have no clue i i jordan if you're listening to this text me see if you remember why but at some point my friend jordan texted me in high school and said that the local theater was running like a special summer series of indie movies and we bought like the festival pass. Like that's what it was kind of like marketed as like, Ooh, it's a festival. And I'm not going to lie. Like I would put good money on the fact that I am partly who I am now. And my relation and belief and, and love of movies and the way they are is at least partly because we went to those five movies, which included another earth, the devil's double. It's uh, 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 Jesus, the tree of life. Um, oh. There's a British one I can't remember uh, uh, that was – there's a Michael Caine impression throughout most of it that I didn't understand. <laughs> and there's a fifth one in there and I, I don't remember what the fifth one is, much to my chagrin. But the fact that I can name those four uh, or at least those three off the top of my head right now to me is like that sign of like the reason that was so impactful is because I'd never seen movies like them ever. I'm not even saying I love them. I can't stand The Tree of Life. Uh, I really can't. Sorry, Terrence Malick. I just don't like it. I like Brad Pitt. I like the human parts. But why are there dinosaurs? I don't know. Um, but they were so different, wildly different. You know, th th those were just n I, I, nothing. Never in my life had I seen something like them. And I would imagine that that is part of what let me then, when I come to college, sort of be able to say, maybe I will go check out Amour. You know, the, the Oscar-nominated French movie that everyone's saying is, well, maybe I should go check that out. Because mm. it had sort of allowed that. What I'm getting at here being, 
I had the, the luck to have that opportunity and the immense privilege of living in the city I do now, which allows me to see a, a wild breadth of movies back when theaters existed, RIP. I think what you had previously brought up is super important though, right? There's a limited resource that we forget about, which is screens. And I think his point, or to me his point is, the modern system prioritizes one type of movie, which is tentpole pictures. And they take up the majority of screens, like literally the limited number of theaters sitting inside of a movie theater building, they take up the majority of them. And if we're being honest, most of those are now Disney, let alone tentpole, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, so not only is it one type of movie, it's one studio's type of movie. And I think that to me is the real meat of what he's getting at is I don't think people – even the average moviegoer, like you were talking about, like we, were, you know, the, the four movies a year people, they don't have the opportunity uh, to to even choose to do what you have so eloquently put forward of like deciding on a heuristic, <laughs> like building a paradigm for themselves, because the only real thing being put forward now, at least in a very marketed, very obvious way, is movies by Disney if we're being honest, right? Or, or Universal or Warner Brothers and basically the same, let's say 12 major franchises. Um, and that sucks. Like I get that. The The only thing I'll say in defense, not of the studios ever, but in defense of the people watching them is I, I kind of get it to a degree in terms of people have limited resources. You've got limited time and limited money. And if you've got four movies a year... I get it. Like, why wouldn't you want to go see that really wild thing that you know your kids can like? You know, they can watch it. You can watch it. It stars a pretty hot guy. <laughs> you know, like, it's it's <laughs> got cool action scenes. You know it's going to have some swelling music. And it's going to end in a happy way. You know that. I kind of get it. Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. If you've, if you've got limited resources. Why, why got... would you ever... Why would you roll the dice on Moonlight? Yeah. I, you know, Moonlight was, uh, I um, was never the same. But if you're one of those people, the average goer, are you going to roll the dice on that movie? Probably not. And I don't blame you. Like, why would you if you've never been, like, if that's never been presented to you in any other option, you know? Yeah. No, I get it. If you've got, like, you can go on four rides at Six Flags. Would you go yep. on the weird carousel? Like, probably not, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. straight like, to Goliath, baby. <laughs> I mean, not me. I'm terrified. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I think I think that, that, that perfectly ties a bow on what Marty was saying, which is that if you get only four and you're so damn tired because life is just so exhausting and you can only pick from a limited list, Honestly, it's going to be, you know, the one that other people also get to, you know, talk about. Then there's a, a slightly bigger chance that the indie one might get picked if it got more showings and it was at more theaters. Yeah. And like one more than zero yeah. of your friends talked about it. And you maybe heard one fact about it that made you maybe think you might like it. And then maybe it becomes one of your four instead of zero of your four. And then you are one of like, 400 people who think that way and then it's a little different for the world of indie film you know so I get it I get what he's saying I always think it's funny for me because it's 
kind of the flip side argument to your indie film thing for me. Like I, I only ever saw Hindi movies in the theaters or, you know, like mm-hmm. other languages, other Indian languages. And um, they would just never like as a kid, like there was just no damn <laughs> like no English movies. And then the thing is, I had like I didn't have streaming. There was no streaming in India at the time. But we had like I had the Internet <laughs> and I had torrents and I and I guess I had my dad who liked a bunch of movies and then I just kind of decided to take a chance on a few that people kept talking about. And it, honestly, I think I just started with like Nolan movies. I was like, people keep talking about these. Oh, interesting. What, what are they? And then it, it, it kind of went from there. And I think if I hadn't spent some of my high school years doing that, I wouldn't have tried to also watch adventurous movies in college. And then this entire love affair wouldn't have happened either with, with cinema or I don't know if cinema is a controversial word now, but yeah, I, it's, it's always interesting that I think exposure seems to be the common theme. Like it's like some kind of chance encounter or chance exposure or having the luxury to take a chance or to, you know, try. And I think what his point is, I mean, on a grander scale, exposure makes you, enjoy things more I think it, it's nice to have you know I think that's all we can get to if you don't if you can't or you don't want to that's fine whatever but what he's trying to get to is you can't even have that shot at exposure if we keep things going the way they are now and it's important to try and open things up so any exposure can happen which will lead to more magical things for the people who are making them and for you as watchers yeah, yeah and I think I think to to kind of take that the step further with the the second group that he was really talking about, I think that really ties back to his problem with streaming, right? Because streaming represents the opposite thing, right? There is no limited resource. There's no such thing as mm, they yeah. can only pick sixteen screens. So I to me anyway, that is what he's getting at with this is like movie theaters are already essentially being forced to choose one thing. And then streaming services, because they are algorithmically based, are then saying, well, you, person who sees four movie years, you have logged on to Netflix, Amazon Prime, etc., and you have watched probably things that are within the same realm of those movies you saw in theaters because you don't have, like, or uh, whatever, right? You don't have the time, you don't have the energy, which, again, I get. Uh, one day I will have Netflix send me my new girl results. I will I will tweet them and have them send it to me, and I'll probably cry <laughs> um, about the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours spent watching that show. Um, I get it, for sure. And I think what he's getting at is, like, because of that, it ends up being this the, a, a bubble, like a true bubble, right? Like, you, you're, you're only going to be searching out the things that the studios have basically put forward and said, here's what you can like. And then because of that, you go on and you find things. And then the streaming service says, well, you like that thing. So here's another thing like it. As opposed to it saying, hey, you liked this movie. Maybe just by chance, because you liked this movie, you might also enjoy something not like it at all. Like you like Iron Man? Perhaps then you will enjoy this kaiju movie from japan mm-hmm. and after you finish watching that movie it's like you know what i bet that you'd enjoy this bollywood movie starring etc right because they happen to be whatever like uh, even even algorithmically based it's still about supplying things that you like as opposed to about as supplying breadth and mm. supplying options mm. 
And to me, that's what he's really getting at with that is like it's the they're they're sort of perpetuating the end result of this problem mm. of like they have the ability to. I mean, it, it's that weird thing that I, I I'm sure uh, I would at least I would hope that you've experienced this too because it's such a weird mind you know like twist when you log on to Netflix uh, without logging in. Like if you just go to like the page or if you use a VPN and you jump to some other place or whatever. And, uh, or even if, you know, you accidentally click on somebody else's profile, right? You click on your dad's profile, mm. your, your partner's profile, your friend's profile, and you look at their page and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> like those movies are, wait, who was, who was going to tell me that the Oceans trilogy was on Netflix all of a sudden? Like those kind of things where you're like, I didn't even realize how many movies were on here, right? There, there's so many different things because they're never going to show up in my sphere. Yeah. Because my sphere is so tight and so complete because they make it that way. That you don't even get to know that there's all that crap on there. And I think that to me is is what he's getting at. And I, I honestly think that to me of all of his arguments, that was the one that really sang to me the most of mm. like, I don't know, maybe it's just me being nihilistic about being able to change uh, studios. But streaming felt like the most realistic one that you could probably say, you know what, we probably should start doing something about this. We probably should start saying, at least give me the option. To turn that off or to add an option that says, show me curated content instead, right? Uh, uh, have somebody come on. And I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's a filmmaker or not, but it'd be cool if it was. I don't, I don't really care. You know, uh, Ryan Johnson comes on Netflix and he picks 15 movies on Netflix. And then that's what shows up for me. And it says, here's Ryan Johnson's picks for the month. That sounds awesome. Like, because I'm, I'm sure it's going to be weird stuff that I never would see otherwise. But they don't do that. Uh, to any degree, right? It doesn't have to be somebody famous. Right. So I, I, that one really stuck out to me. No, I, I completely agree. I think when I go on YouTube without... YouTube is my my life. But oh, when God. I go on YouTube without logging in sometimes, Oof. good God, what is that? Yeah. And I would never see any of that. Uh, that said, you know who I think is doing it pretty well? Spotify. I think that almost every single time oh, I look at my homepage, they, I think they, they, I would say they even actively put effort into showing me try something new over here's more of what you like. Like, it's always like one row of here's more of what you like. Here's like 18 more K-pop playlists because clearly it won't stop. But also like, here's a bunch of narrative podcasts because you've never listened to that. And here's a bunch of like, rock music because also like sometimes you play that but you never seem to stick to a playlist and i actually love that and i think that's a fun you know mainstream starter way to beat that vicious cycle of algorithmic bubble nonsense but i'm with you that was very eloquently said what you explained about the beef (laughs) he has with algorithms and how it's completely it's it's completely founded and a very real worry yeah, and I think like what I what I want to not necessarily finish on, but what I want to kind of give maybe finish out the Scorsese part of this is to give context as to why I think not why we should listen to him. Like we should probably listen to him because he's literally one of the most famous filmmakers who's ever lived. <laughs> like for good reasons. Like he's made a myriad of projects. This weird belief that he only makes mob movies is just so silly, <laughs> and also they're different. I know they look the same, but they're not. Um, uh, the the reason that I feel like he has the the what am I trying to say the credentials that's not quite right like the the 
you know, the social points almost, like why he should, you know, why we should bother to listen to him at all is this guy has spent every waking minute of his non-filmmaking life preserving film that isn't his and isn't mainstream. Like he runs the single largest organization that preserves African film. And he started it and funded it out of pocket. Like it was a deep commitment that he was like, we're doing this because if we don't, it's going to get lost because the same systems are not in place because we never bothered to prioritize them. And it has to be created. It has to be maintained. Those libraries have to exist. And he does the same thing for all kinds. Like, not, I'm not, you know, that's the really famous one, but he does it all the time. Like he puts out these lists. He put one out for, um, I actually don't know who it was for, uh, film school rejects maybe, or, or one perfect shot. I don't remember, but he basically put out a list not that long ago of like Scorsese's top international films, like 50 international films. And people pointed out like, they're not like the typicals. Like they're not, some of them are for sure. Like seven samurais on there, but a lot of them are just weird. Like there's a weird, like, you know, here's a super weird British genre movie because he just likes stuff. Like he's not putting out stuff that he thinks is it's important for you to watch this because of its uh, 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 objective quality. He puts it on there because he says, I liked this. I thought it was cool. You might like it too. Like just like anybody else might. Um, and and purposefully uplifts small filmmakers, smaller movies, things you may not have heard of, and lets the things that are big enough to stand on their own stand on their own. So I, I think that makes it worth listening to and not immediately jumping to like, you're saying these movies I don't like are movies? I don't think that's, you know, like someone who spends his entire life doing that, I, I think has earned the 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 grace mm-hmm. for us to give him a minute <laughs> and to say it's okay that he's not saying Ant-Man is equivalent to the seven samurai. That's, that's a, it's an opinion and B, I don't think he's saying we should get rid of that. He's just saying we should probably make sure everything else stays put too. And I, I wish that I could remember the quote. He has this really beautiful passage about the reason why he does all this. And the reason why he believes in all this is because he believes that film and specifically visual media period, but especially film is humanity's culture, like shared culture. And his position on this is that it is the, because the tools are the same, the camera is the same. You can have different cameras, but the technology of capturing film is the same no matter where you go. Because of that, it is the shared language. And you can understand and unlock and translate cultures and history and time and the future because we are all revolving around performing in shooting on or watching something made with this shared language. And it's a really beautiful sentiment. And I I like that a lot. And that's what it gives me like, yeah, maybe we don't get on his case about this. (laughs) I think it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I think profoundly said by him and profoundly recapped by you. My other last highlight, if one thing he said, which I I think might be somebody who completely disagrees with us, his last kind of knit to pick. That's not a thing, right? <laughs> Bone to pick. Yeah, that's no, a thing. That makes... <laughs> that's <laughs> two to pick. That was a malifor. Mm. Their last bone to pick with this whole thing is, but if people 
like a thing, then surely it's not a bad thing to keep making more of what you like because if the supply you know, shows a certain thing, then the demand can follow and that's just the way of the world. He, he says this, this, I mean, but that was actually one of the first things I thought. I was like, wait, should I be opening my mind to that argument? But then I read um, what he said. He said, if you're going to tell me that it's simply a matter of supply and demand and giving the people what they want, I'm going to disagree. It's a chicken and egg issue. If people are given only one kind of thing and endlessly sold on only one kind of thing, of course they're going to want more of one kind of thing. I think that shuts it down. Yeah. Yeah, He's got for a point. sure. He's just saying that there's more stuff out there. So I'm going to I'm going to uh, finish out this section. I I have a, 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 a I have a segment I want us to finish the episode on that I'm going to surprise you with. So get ready. I love surprising you with things. But I do want to I do want to uh, 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 penultimately say this. What this really makes me think of, this is just a little bit of a, a personal anecdote here and a, an analogy that I think while you were talking about a lot of these things and after reading these things have kind of helped me get like a better sense of there might be like a better way to understand this if people aren't into movies necessarily. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, cool beans, but I don't engage that much then I think what this mirrors almost exactly, I think you could, you could transpose everything we just said, but use it for food. And I think it's the same thing, which is to say, exposing yourself to lots of different cuisines and dishes is an inherently good thing because different places make different stuff. And some of that stuff tastes really good. And that's it. Like, period. Like, that's just the, like, you can stop there if you want. You could go farther and say, you cannot truly understand the country of India without experiencing its cuisine. Like, the history of the country is built in its cuisine, just like it is America and France and Mexico and Japan. And you could go even farther and say regional variances and, and right, whatever. Like, you could go all the way down the, the path, which is similar to what we were just talking about, right? Like going really deep into, you can find the Swedish film that 25 people have seen. But you can also just stop it like, goddamn, Japan makes some good food. And you'll never know it if you don't go try those cuisines. But it's really important to note that not everyone has access to that ability. Because if you grow up in places like Casper, Wyoming, that doesn't exist at all. There was the Chinese buffet, of which was primarily chocolate pudding and crab legs from my memory. Like, it's not... I, I, I didn't have Indian until I was in college. I never had Indian food in my life, uh, ever. I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you one dish. I'd seen it on TV. It was colorful. I knew that much. But, like, I had no framework because I, there was no access to that, let alone insert any other cuisine from any part of the world, let alone just America, and that's, that's what I think is important to keep in mind in this same analogy of like, not everyone has access to that. So the problem is, if you, again, it's not like the consumer's fault. If you only give access to American food, or if you drill even farther back, if the only thing I have access to is like the McDonald's and the basic grocery store out on my corner, that's an issue because it doesn't allow me to choose to pick anything else. And even if I had that choice, if I still chose those things, 
maybe I should expand a little more, but at least I have the option. And going back to their arguments, that's not to say that McDonald's isn't great. <laughs> like, goddamn, do French fries taste good? <laughs> like, Ant Man is really funny. Like, it's it's like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. It's not invalidating the original thing. It's just saying you should have more options than that, and not you that could like. It's not you even picking them. It's you being given the ability to even pick them. You should have that option in front of you. And the what I want to tie this to very personally is something that you had talked about when talking about the the, the uh, specifically like Bollywood movies and this idea of like good and bad and validity in any movies reminded me a lot of there's this documentary about food on Netflix that I really enjoy, particularly the episode on Mexican food. And the reason I really enjoy it is because it was very personal involving Mexican identity and, and Mexican Americans and, and not, and, and just kind of this whole concept. And the reason I really loved it is what this episode was specifically about. What it was drilling down to was this fact, which was there is so much gatekeeping involved in food and it's gotten really bad within the age of like the modern internet about saying like, well, unless you're enjoying the exact right type of ingredients and unless you are building your tacos exactly how they do it at Michoacan and you're using the right sourced ingredients and you're using corn tortillas and you're doing the everything, then that's not really Mexican food, right? Uh, to the far end of the spectrum, Taco Bell, to the middle end of the spectrum, Mexican family restaurant, to the far left end of the spectrum, you have to go find the exact right place. And I've heard this from friends uh, California people, you're the worst. I'm sorry. You're the worst about <laughs> it. They're the freaking worst when they come to Chicago or any other state and they have a taco and they say, this just isn't the same. This isn't a real taco. It, it, you didn't invent them. <laughs> it, I promise. And that's really what this, what this documentary episode was getting at, was basically saying, A, this is factually untrue. For example, Taco Bell's creator got their taco idea from a Mexican woman in California, a Mexican immigrant, like first-generation immigrant woman, who was using the ingredients available to her at the time in order to replicate things that she would have made at home that she thought would be popular in the current market. And they took that, and they made a franchise out of it. And that was like what they're getting at. is like there's no such thing as like the Mexican cuisine. And as a result... There's no such thing as the Mexican culture. Like it is mutable and it is it is adaptable and it changes depending on the circumstances. Tex-Mex is not separate from Mexican cuisine. It's a regional variation of Mexican cuisine. And Tex-Mex was not invented by white people. It was invented by Mexicans. It was using mm. the ingredients available at their time in order to replicate what they could. And that creates its own unique individual identity and individual cuisine. And it's not lesser than. It is simply variation. And the idea of this being that we should not gatekeep food. You shouldn't tell people this is Mexican food or this is the place to get actual Indian food. This is the place to get actual Japanese food. It doesn't exist. Like they're all equally acceptable parts of it. And that – the reason I'm talking about all this, which I'm sure <laughs> – sorry, listeners who are confused, is that felt to me very truthful in this same idea of like cinema – and movie dumb and film and like what is and what isn't and is Marvel or isn't it? Where to me what that sounds like is that what we're saying is that cinema is equal to fine dining. 
but that doesn't mean that it's any it's not better it's just a different variation there is such thing as fine dining mexican food there's also such thing as the mexican family restaurant i want to go take my family to see star wars the force awakens with my grandfather before he passes because i know that he saw it with my dad when he was a kid and that that meant something and this is going to be a perfectly palatable consumable thing to watch and it'll be fun and that's great but i can also go see the portrait of a lady on fire and lose my mind like just not be able to think straight for a while because of what i was shown and they're not i i don't think it's a factor of better or less than it's a factor of different it, it's just different and not in a value way uh and yeah. i think that's that's where i'm getting at with this is it just felt very personal yeah Is that it? Anyway, that's my die drive. So uh, here's my surprise thing, if you'll indulge me. Mm-hmm. I would like to know, you mentioned him a second ago. I would like to know, to finish this out for today, how did you get to movies? Like, we've talked about this a little bit. I know we have before. But what I kind of want to know is like, what is responsible for you being the consumer of movies the way you are now? And you mentioned your dad previously being a person who had like a lot of movies. So that's what I'm curious about is like not not in like who showed you your first movie. I think we talked about that before. What I'm more curious about is as a person who does indulge in different uh, different cuisines, <laughs> different countries' films and and, you know, different eras and all that, how do you, you know, how do you decide the menu? Like, what got you to here? I have tried to figure this out for myself in the past. I think it's always hard when you've hit a point to look back and kind of figure out the foggy path that you took to get there because it's still foggy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not very visible in hindsight. Uh, but I think it comes down to a few things. I think um, when I was in high school, I don't think that Indian pop culture was at the point where you really could name yourself as a movie person. Like, I don't think that there were people, until maybe my senior year of high school, I would have, I was basically, uh, what would have, you know, what would have been a movie person. And I had friends who were, but none of us would have been able to call ourselves that because there just wasn't that kind of pop cultural awareness. Like, it just didn't exist. We were just like the, the pop culture nuts. Like, the people who listened to the most like unique and diverse music and kind of knew what the latest English songs were and watched a lot of like the, the non mainstream TV shows and had watched a bunch of other non mainstream movies. And that, that just, that was just a type of person. And I knew that that was a a thing that described me. I knew I was like that. I knew I was always like that, but I couldn't have ever put a name to it. And I think that once I, I don't know, went to college, I was like, oh, right. I was scrambling to become that person who loved movies all along. I just didn't have, number one, the the kind of name for it or, or, you know, the other people around me who were it to call myself one. And I didn't have exactly the access. And, and I, to be clear, that is a very, a, like a weirdly uncomfortable statement for me to say because I had all the access in the world. Like I had, like, you know, I could afford to go to any theater I wanted and the internet was available right. to me and all of my devices were great in HD. 
but I I don't mean like I you know starved for access. I just mean like culturally, India wasn't there, and like the, you know the the bar like the what is the word like those of us who were the most knowledgeable about all of this stuff in quotes were just not that knowledgeable about it, and those who barely knew anything sure. truly didn't know anything. So I was doing you know the best I could, and my dad wa kind of loved movies too. So whenever the rare English movie would drop in theaters, which by the time I was in high school, I think it would be a good like one every month, but it would just be what was the biggest Hollywood blockbuster at the time. So the big Mission Impossible movie would definitely drop and it was definitely playing and it was playing all the time, but that was the only one. And we would go for pretty much every single one and we just always had a great time. And I think what helped us figure out that we both love this and I think for my dad as well, like obviously his entire life, what I had, he had none of that as well. Like he had no English exposure. So even he, until he was my father, couldn't really put a name to himself as a movie person, which this these days I think he would. So both of us, I think, had that awakening at the same time, which was like 2010 onwards when some English movies started appearing. And we were like, wait, we love all these different movies. Like we just love to watch movies. And we love to do this, you know, as a duo and we love to go and we love to watch whatever we can on the internet and, and, you know, buy weird DVDs and watch them. And I think it all kind of cemented itself as a part of my identity when I was in college and I had more access. So I think it was just some kind of winding road where it was getting there all along, but I didn't have the words for it. But that's because nobody around me did. But it did help that everyone that I was close to like all of my friends who I got along with very well were kind of similar in that way. And that was another kind of shortcut for me in identifying it. I was like, ah, yeah, there's probably a reason why everyone that I get along with is obsessed with pop culture and loves to watch movies. It's because we love movies and that's a thing about us that we should be able to name. But now I can name it. I think it was just a path, a journey. And what... Do you think all of that, like, is there any one person or any one particular reason why you are the person you are in terms of watching indie movies, non-mainstream movies, uh, international movies that aren't uh, American film? Like, or was that just sort of like the next step of evolution of all that? Yeah, I think it's the latter. Just, it just sort of happened. I think, I, I think that, that, I think... For me, and in my opinion, or my, 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 as, a fr- as your friend, friend opinion of you, and opinion of a lot of my other friends as well, who are into these things, it's just kind of curiosity, personality trait, like that, that sense of wanting to grow, hmm. grow your horizons and know more about this thing that you love. So for me, I wouldn't chalk it up to a person, to be honest. I mean, that person is me. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, it's not, I don't think it's a very nuanced kind of, source it's just wanting to know more and and enjoying what i was seeing every time gotcha well that's why i was interested because i find it fascinating (laughs) i feel like you're you for a long time were the person who like i mean you still are to a degree you're the, the one who really points me toward a lot of indie movies that i don't will never come on my radar so even even being as supposedly plugged in as I am. So I, I, you know, that's why I'm sort of curious as to what gets you here, you know? Yeah. 
just like to know things. I like to be up to date. <laughs> I always, I always have a hard time. I, oh, I don't have a hard time, but I do find it entertaining that when I tell people that I do this podcast, they're like, "Oh, damn, you must really know movies." And I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna correct you there. <laughs> I don't know anything, but I do really love <laughs> movies, and I'm gonna be really, really yeah. specific about that. Like, I because I think it was a journey." in my life and it's an ongoing journey for a lot of us to not feel like I don't deserve to do this just because I haven't seen all the Woody Allen films like I deserve to do this I love movies but I can also admit that I haven't seen a ton a ton of them and I'm working towards it but I don't feel bad (laughs) that's just that's just how it is man I'm, I'm doing my best on a daily basis as a person but I'm putting in effort so yeah no, I, I, I think that's exactly right. Like it's, you know, you, you don't ever have to see them all. It's impossible. A, like B, you're, you're always going to miss them and that's fine. But it's like, it's not a validity thing. It's just, do you enjoy it? And uh, I, I like that you say that though. That you also tell people like, I don't know that much because I feel like I do the same thing of like, no, I, I don't, I will not be able to answer that for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> it's all I, 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 I just happen to have seen probably more than you have person speaking to me but that doesn't like i'm not it's just an enjoyment thing like in the same way that i would bet you've read more books than i have i i you know yeah, like it's fine. there's other it's things that the, you're spending your time on whatever. this is just what i like to spend my time on yeah exactly exactly well that's why i was very curious is because i i'm always interested to see what kind of gets you there because i uh you know, it, it's, it's, mine is definitely a, a product of, of kind of, I would say four different people and just very kind of strange alignments. there, like unexpected alignments where my, I think my dad is primarily responsible for most of my movie-ness, like why I like them at all. But in the scheme of things, I don't think that he was very good about showing me a breadth of movies. Uh, a, a breadth in terms of like, yes, he did show me a very wide range of American film, primarily from 1975 to 2005, but that's it. You know, like it's, uh, uh, he showed me all the, all the big ones, all the ones you got to check off your list, all the big 80s, especially um, fandom properties, right? Indiana Jones and Star Wars and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, all the action movies, but uh, it didn't go a ton farther than that. And then my grandfather, of course, was sort of the same way, like a lot of older movies, Westerns, military movies, etc. cetera. Uh, but then he would also be the one that I know I've talked about this on the podcast before that like he showed me uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey when I was like five and screwed me up forever. <laughs> like just <laughs> stuff that he had no business showing a small child. But he was, you know, he loved that movie and he loved Cinderella, like Disney Cinderella. Like he put that on all the time, Um, which was just strange. Like it's not, that's not, why would that come from him? And it didn't come from anybody else. Like I'm not saying other people in my life probably didn't put that movie on for me as a child, but he is the person who showed me Cinderella for lack of better description. And why? Like, you know, what, it just, what a strange uh, source for that kind of thing. And, and that was, that was his contribution was like, just kind of older movies, but also strange movies. Uh, and then my mother, uh, was sort of a, another source of this, of like a little bit different, uh, realm of movies, 
uh not not like the big 80s that my dad did but the big 80s that everyone else does so hers was breakfast club and ferris bueller and uh whatever just kind of you know uh, other big popular ones but not the big actions and things like that um but i think she probably gets the credit for being the one responsible for international film and weird film because she was a godzilla uh hound i don't know what the word is for that but she had all the old godzilla movies on vcr tape and i don't know how or why that's incredible no clue no clue why that was the case absolutely no idea but I watched those movies so much as a little kid, and I 100% believe there's got to be a degree to which that's why, A, I like Godzilla, but B, why I, I was even open to that at any point ever in my life was because subtitled movies, big kaiju movies, big, you know, they're weird. They're weird movies. They're Japanese movies with what looks like shoestring budgets and a guy in a suit. Like, they're strange um, for a for a four-year-old, for, a, you know, four to ten uh, there's no way that that didn't at least partly influence all of that. And then a little bit later in life in, in high school, especially it's, it's like I said before, it's gotta be my friend Jordan just for, for sort of some, what you said with like you, you had people that would do it with you, that kind of thing. Like it's, it's nicer. It's nice not have to do it alone. You know, it's, it's nice not to have to that education or like feeling like you're the only one who likes these things. Uh, also cause I was bad at the internet. So <laughs> it was nice to have somebody who would, he would go to these movies with me and see weird stuff with me when whenever we had the very rare chance. So um, I'm just I'm I'm kind of curious about that. I know we have a little spoiler, not really spoiler, little little tease for the audience, but we have talked about having guests on very soon, hopefully. Uh, and I think I'd like to keep this going a little bit. I think I'd be interested to know and maybe ask each one of our guests. I want to know how they got into movies, even if they don't think of themselves as a movie person, like. Who or what is responsible for the movies that you watch? And why do you like this movie so much? Yeah. Like, what about, you know? I'm, I'm kind of curious about this. It's always, always a fascinating story. Yeah. Well, that's uh, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> that's our friend Marty, our pal Marty. And uh, those are our thoughts on his thoughts and the internet's thoughts on those thoughts. <laughs> well summed up. Yes. We did a good job, though. You know, <laughs> summary doesn't sound as great as the discussion. So I guess you'll just have to have right. appreciated the discussion as it happened. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, if you have any thoughts or contributions or if you'd like to share your own story, I would honestly love to see it. Uh, you absolutely can. You can find us at Twitter at AYSWpod uh, or on any podcasting platform. Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, iTunes. iTunes doesn't exist anymore. I forget about that. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, <laughs> um, Stitch Fix. That's not a podcasting platform. That's not. But that's maybe funny. They that's funny. <laughs> uh, you can find us there. You could also continue to support us and uh, help us keep making these kind of episodes, especially weird ones like this where we decide to do something totally different by going to patreon.com slash A-Y-S-W and seeing if you want to support us there. We have an open thing. You can support us whatever level you want and we might be doing stuff with that soon. That's a little teaser. That's a teaser with no information. That's the best kind of teaser. <laughs> That's the kind of teaser. Okay, here's a, here's a, here's a throwback that I'm sure she remembers. That's the kind of teaser from like 2011 to 2015, give or take, 
where the only thing in the tweezer was the Hans Zimmer blah sound <laughs> over a series of flashing <laughs> images. You know what I mean? Yes. That meant nothing and every movie was doing it and you're like, okay. <laughs> I, I, it's I the level this. of teaser for the, the Disney Plus Buzz Lightyear show where you're like, I wonder what this is going to look like yes. and it's just the logo. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. So that's the kind of teaser for what we have coming to Patreon. That's a Hans Zimmer <laughs> Buzz Lightyear teaser. So uh, if you're feeling like you'd like to support us, and uh, uh, please go there. And as always, if you'd like to be on the podcast, we are definitely trying to get guests on here soon. So let us know. You can find us on Twitter or po- or uh, Patreon, like we said. Well, watch more movies, enjoy them, and come talk to us about them. Good night, everybody. <laughs>